0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. And what a day it is! It's always great to be able to celebrate after a victory. We got one, an impressive one, against a team that had a winning record. How cool is that? It's been a while. So we're going to take some time to savor this one. We're also going to talk about uh, Mississippi State going to a bowl game for the 11th straight year. And listen, I'm not going to listen to any uh, apologies about that. The rules are the rules. There's no bowl eligibility requirements this year. The SEC office went out and secured 12 SEC bowl tie-ins. We're in that group. And uh, that's what everybody agreed to from the beginning. We're getting a chance to go. And so there's no asterisk on this. It is what it is. And I have read some comments from some uh, snarky media members that I think are completely a joke. And uh, so we're going to unapologetically go to Dallas-Fort Worth and we're going to go beat Tulsa. That's what we're going to do. So go ahead and get on board with that. Get excited about it. If you can't make the game, uh, plan a party around it. And Your New Year's Eve uh, celebration should include Mississippi State beating the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa. Because that's what we're fixing to go do. And I I get a little sick and tired of some people in our fan base. I mean, I love all of y'all, but some of y'all make my head hurt. It's like we want to impress our old miss friends. That's why I don't think it's, I don't don't have any. Well, we don't really deserve it. We don't deserve it. You know, here's the thing your old miss friends, you know what? They're going to lose their ball game to Indiana. We're going to win ours. And you know what's going to happen? We're going to end the year with the exact same record. Period. So stop with all the the, the, the ridiculous nonsense, all this stuff. Just stop it. The rules were put in place prior to the season. We're going to a ball game. End of story. Did I expect to go at three and seven? No, I did not. I didn't expect to beat three and seven. I thought KJ Costello was going to be an All-American, and we were going to vault right into contention here in the next couple of years uh, with the Mike Leach offense. We still may, but we're behind schedule. But you know what? We win a bowl game. We end the year winning two in a row. And playing really well down the home stretch, the second half of the year, with Will Rogers as our quarterback, and begin to have some confidence, kind of pushing the next year. That's a memo. All right, Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Love Bulldog Burger Company, you will too if you haven't already fallen in love. You go by and uh, you have those spring rolls; they'll change your outlook on life. Make every make you and everybody around you better looking. I encourage you to uh, maybe start slow, okay? Maybe go have the bulldog burger first. You're going to be so overwhelmingly surprised at the portions that you get. But once you've done that, once you've kind of waded into the bulldog burger pool, I'm going to encourage you to get a little deep end out there. Get in the deep end and get a smokehouse or get a mission or get up a mentality ad bacon. What's life without a little whimsy? Enjoy yourself. Treat yourself. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Two locations, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle so many years. They know exactly what they're doing. Go by and see them. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M E A T. All right. Let's jump into breaking down this game. And it's fun to go back and relive these things when we win. You know, I mean, I mean it really is. And uh, there's a couple things that I wanted to say about us before we get started. I, I did not expect us to win the ballgame. I will own that. I thought it would be a close ball game, but I thought in the end, that running game would kind of wear us down. It didn't because we got so much separation in the game. We kind of made them one-dimensional, and we won going away. And how fun was that for us to really – I mean, guys, what was it, 44 to 18 in the fourth quarter? I mean, we got a chance to really enjoy that first quarter with no anxiety, we knew we were going to win at that point. It's just a matter what the final score was going to be. So let's kind of jump into all this and uh, and kind of get this ball rolling here, and we'll we'll celebrate this, and we'll begin to look forward to beating Tulsa. So we don't win the toss, and that's cool. They uh, they like to receive, and we go down right out of the gate. We get a touchback from Brandon Ruiz, and that sounds like a broken record, but man, it's a record I want to heal for a couple more years. You know what I'm saying? I hope we can get Ruiz to come back next year. He's contemplating that decision. He says he would come back and finish up an NBA. That's what he wanted to do initially. So my hope is that happens, and I hope it takes him a couple of years because selfishly I'd love for Brandon Ruiz to be here to knock that ball out of the back and the end zone for two more years. Very first play of the game, Kobe Jones sniffs out that run. We get a huge loss of eight yards. Larry Roundtree who's an absolute stud. Kobe sets a tone there. And then they uh, throw the ball down. They check it down to tight end. in. Errol Thompson blows it up. It looks like a good, clean hit. They go back and review it for targeting. They call it targeting. And listen, I get it. It meets the requirements for the rule, but I don't think that's within the spirit of the rule. If you're a linebacker getting downhill on somebody, you're going to have to lower your shoulder. I mean, you're going to wrap up. You're not going to pull your head back. It was just one of those bang-bang plays. There was no malicious intent there. And I hate it for Errol Thompson, who's been kind of the heart and soul of this defense for the last couple of years, that could be his last game at Davis-Wade Stadium. I'm glad he goes out a winner, but I wish he'd have been able to be a bigger part of it. Then Roundtree goes for four, of course, after the, uh, you know, after the targeting penalty is assessed there. Uh, they, they check it down to Dove, who gets 16 yards. That's a double play. That's a double pass play. They throw it out to Dove. He throws it to the parker to tie end. and it looked like they were rolling, right? Roundtree then goes for 12, and I, I knew I, minute this kid's going to be a problem. Man, that guy's really good. Goes for three, goes for two, and next thing you know, it's third and five. We got a chance to get off the field. We don't complete to Hazleton for 10. He was a very solid possession receiver for them. A lot of times on third down, they went and looked for him. That's number seven. Basil acting incomplete to Daniel Parker. Sherman Timms getting back there, making some the plays. Sherman Timms, a walk on player from Indianola, won a state championship at Indianola Academy. He's primarily been a special teams guy. He's wanted to get in there and play some defensive end. And due to some opt-outs and some injuries, he's got the opportunity to do that. even played some at linebacker. You may know his folks, they run the Indianola Pecan House. there in Indianola. Fine Mississippi State family. It's good to see Sherman out there making some plays. Round three then goes off right side for touchdown. It's 7 nothing, and it really seemed unfortunate because we had them in a the third and 18, and they kind of get bailed out on that targeting call. And, again, I'm not trying to say it was a bad call. I know many of you feel like it was. Again, it meets the definition of the rule, but, I, you know, I just – I just didn't like it. I mean, it's just one of those things that you look at and say, you know what, it's a bang-bang play, a guy getting downhill early in a ball game. It's not like the guy was a defenseless player either. That's one of the things that I think needs to kind of be redefined. It's one thing if you've got a wide receiver crossing the face of the safety and he's fully extended and a guy goes up and cleans his clock. But you know what, against Auburn, they absolutely destroyed Jaquavius Marks to the point that they smashed his face mask in and then said it wasn't targeting. They call it on the field and then reverse the call in the boot and said it wasn't targeting, and yet he has to go over there and see the equipment manager to get his helmet readjusted. That wasn't targeting, but this was. And it's not, I guess that's the thing, too, that makes us all a little bit salty about it. You know, it's like we've had those things go against us, but it doesn't seem like it always works in our favor when, when our guys are impacted by that. All right, so we, uh, we get our first drive here. We score in a very unconventional way. Uh, Rogers incomplete to Austin Williams, and then uh, Will Rogers tucks it and goes for 18 yards, and that's the benefit of having five guys out in the pass pattern, is most of those guys in the secondary, when they're playing man coverage, have their back to the quarterback. If they're in his zone there, he probably doesn't tuck it and go, but he runs for 18. Still interesting to me that Missouri played so much man coverage when they saw other people have success against us in his zone, but hey, you do you. All right, we're incomplete to Jaden Wiley there and then incomplete again on second and 10 and then incomplete again. With three straight plays, we go to Wiley. And it really seemed like, you know, I think one of those was probably a drop, but there were a couple of other ones. The ball was a little bit, you know, a little bit off with of our ball placement. I think Will was pressing a little bit early. And then Tucker Day with a 46-yard punt that Cade Musser muffs. And then there's a mad scramble between Dequavious Marks, Tulu Griffin, and Paul Blackwell. Paul Blackwell wins the scrum and gets his first touchdown. How cool is that? That's just, that's a, it's a lesson for the kids there. It's a guy hustling down there looking to make a tackle. Next thing you know, he's in the end zone. We make the extra point. It's a 7-7 ball game. And it felt like, okay, we, we kind of had gotten a freebie there. You know, we didn't have a good offensive series, but yet we found a way to get the ball in the end zone. And, and sometimes luck bounces your way. That was kind of the case uh, on that particular play i really felt like that we would find out what kind of defense we had on the next drive we haven't we've gotten even now we have a chance to go out there and answer and get the uh, offensive ball back Roundtree for a loss of five yards and uh this is the one where they snap the ball over their heads right and the, the you know uh wasn't ready for it and yeah, bays pardon me and uh you know the center snaps it before he's ready and then uh, Roundtree goes and covers the fumble And then uh, round three gets loose for 14, and it's incomplete to Bannister. They're punting, 39-yarder, and uh, Austin Williams scoops it up there. And uh, we're in a pretty good situation. Three plays, negative two yards. We've had a lot of things not go our way this year. And sometimes we get teams behind the chains. We let them off the hook. We didn't on that drive. We come right back, and we go to Marks. And I love this little inside handoff here, this little wrinkle. And and, uh, Mike Leeds said in postgame, it's a play as old as football. It really kind of comes from the wing tee and some of the uh, Notre Dame box type stuff where you fake the pitch and then have the inside handoff to the same guy. Uh, it has been around for a long time. It worked really well. And I understand that Mike Leach saw some things on film, that he saw some movement with linebackers, the way that they react to that toss play. And We have shown that so much on film. You know they were probably anticipating that and looking to get out there on an edge and, and make a tackle. And so they kind of run themselves out of position. And we did such a good job blocking that up most of the night. Marks runs for five. I thought he ran harder than he has all year long. He looked healthy to me. Will Rodgers complete the Cam Gardner for four? But then there's, uh, there's the two penalties, right? There's holding on us and illegal use of the hands by them. So we start over again on second five. Then we're complete to Osiris, who really looked good. I thought Osiris had one of his better games uh, of the year. Uh, against mizzou and again it's one of those things i guess it's just man coverage and when you when you man up osiris mitchell you're you're really playing with fire dylan johnson and runs for seven and we're complete to wally for 32 it always seems like jade wally is running after the catch even before the catch is made you know what i'm saying it's like when he catches it and he secures the catch he he's getting up field as quickly as possible johnson and runs for four there's a false start penalty on spivey he comes off the field then we're complete to wally for seven Uh, for a touchdown the Missouri defenders run into each other they're kind of anticipating the rub route and they're trying to get over the top of it they pick each other and then Wally is wide open in the end zone could not have been an easier throw minute 14-7 Mississippi State all right so we kick off again Tyler Beatty who's one of my favorite players from the east uh, gets in the game I didn't think they did a very good job using him and some of that's because Mississippi State's linebackers played so well Beatty goes for three, and there's a face mask on Aaron Odom. So we've already had a self-inflicted wound. And how many times this year have we done something like that? You know, we've given them opportunity, just like we did in that first drive. We, We make a mistake, they capitalize on it, get out of a negative field position, and then go into the end zone and score. So here we are again, kind of aiding in our own demise, but we overcame it. So we go right back after that. Ty Weed just blows up the middle and there is a sack for loss of eight yards. So we got him right back behind the chains again. They complete to Beatty for seven and then they're complete to Hazleton on third and 11. Again, there he is again, number seven. Hazleton, third down possession guy. They go back to round tree for three and then the five and then it's no gain on third and two. Kind of puts them in a decision making process. So we end the quarter with stayed up 14-7. I think right now we feel like, you know what, we're we're in a pretty good spot, but we needed to get the offense back on the field. Well, lo and behold, here's what happens. They decide to go for it on fourth and two, and it was a pretty well-designed play. I give Drinkwich a lot of credit here. They fake it to Roundtree, and they want to put the linebacker in conflict and then pitch it to him, you know, for the short game there. But Tyrus Wheat kind of realizes he's in no man's land, presses in on Bazlack, and then knocks the ball away. And then Martin Emerson, of course, cleans up Roundtree on the backside of it, And so the ball goes over on downs. So a great stop by the defense, you know, 37 yards uh, on the drive for them. But, again, we're kind of aiding their their drive there. We get the ball back complete immediately to Jaden Wiley for 14 yards. It's incredible to see, you know, the rapport and the chemistry that is being established between Will Rogers and Jaden Wiley. It is remarkable to watch. We go to Jaquavius Marks for 11, really threw that ball out in front where he could catch it and run. He didn't have to kind of go behind him. Our ball placement, that was excellent there. Then we go back to Spivey on that tunnel screen. And I love that wrinkle with Spivey running that tunnel screen to him uh, and even kind of checking it down to him at times because he is such a big and physical presence out there. He is going to fall forward. So it's three consecutive pass plays that give us first downs. Then we're incomplete to Combust, and uh, that one was one that kind of got away from Will a little bit. We live to tell about it, though. Markson runs for six, and then we're incomplete to Spivey, and I, this is just like it was the week before, basically the same play. We hit Spivey in traffic. All he's got to do is catch it. He might score. It's certainly going to be a first-and-goal type situation, and he drops the football. And uh, that's one of the things that I wonder about over time. You know, Will Will Rogers is a guy that uh, – has been around the game, but uh, can we trust Jaquari Spivey? You know, if you're Will Rogers, now that's happened a couple times, do you think when that we run that route there, you know, maybe do I work that back to the other side? Do I check that ball down? Because, you know, can I, I cannot trust Jaquari Spivey? Now, Spivey has talked a good game, or at times he's played some good games, but those are passes you got to catch. And I'm not throwing shade at the kid, but the reality is this is the Southeastern Conference. That's a possession play, and chances are we're going to go in there and score a touchdown. But we don't. We had to settle for a field goal. Still happy to get some points there at 17-7, to but you think about what might could have been there. Missouri gets the ball back here, puts together a pretty solid drive. Uh, lack incomplete to Chisholm. I like Chisholm's game. I thought he was a good player, too. He's a grad transfer. Larry Roundtree then goes for 16, and they, they had begun to kind of Find some success running off right side. I don't know what they saw over there, but we had a trouble kind of hemming up that run to the right boundary. Round three goes for five. Round three goes for two. They ended up calling a timeout on third and three. Uh, basically complete the banister for 10 yards, and that was just one of those ones where they, they just kind of found the hole there in the middle of the field and uh, moved it forward. Incomplete to Smith, and then there's a P.I. on Martin Emerson. It was the right call. I don't know that Martin had to do that. But I think it's one of those things, too, kind of being coached and being a guy that gets it. You know, he probably felt like he was beat on the play, wasn't going to be able to make a play. It's probably a touchdown, so it's better to, you know what, I'll take the P.I. Than, rather than give up a score there. I don't know that he had to do it, but he did do it. Roundtree then goes for five. Roundtree goes for nine, and they're down to the state 13. Roundtree rushes for a loss of two. Great play by Nathaniel Watson, who filled in for Errol Thompson after he was disqualified for the game. Bayslack then goes for no game and then fumbles the football. They get it back. And then there is a substitution infraction against him that makes it third and 17. So now all of a sudden they're behind the chains and then aiding in their own demise. Then they're complete to Betty for nine. They kick the field goal, makes it 17 to 10. To me, I felt like we had kind of survived something there. I felt like that was a win for us, hold on to the field goal after the PI there. And again, you look at it, Martin Emerson's decision to go ahead and make the interference there. May have saved us four points. You know, that's the thing you think about. You know, in his mind, it's a bang-bang situation. He's got to make a decision very soon. He thinks, you know what, I'd rather give up 15 yards and a touchdown. We hold them to a field goal, so it's a calculated risk. It might have actually paid off. All right, we get the ball back now. And, uh, again, this is a great answer for the state offense. This is a great answer. They go down and kind of cut it down to, uh, you know, less than a touchdown. So they're play away from taking the lead. We go right back and answer. Johnson runs for six. Rogers then goes for no gain, kind of got flushed there. And on third and four, we're complete to Austin Williams on a bit of an out route. And, again, this kind of the Wiley veteran, knowing where the marker is, keeps his balance and dives towards the sticks, moves the chain. And then we go to Jaden Wiley for 37, kind of under through the ball there. There were a couple of those with Will. A couple of balls came off his hand, a little bit funky, and our guys made good, good adjustments. This is one of those plays. Then we're complete to Cyrus Mitchell, and it really felt like Mitchell was feeling it. I know that he was paired up with Ennis Regstraw Jr., but it felt like Osiris was open whenever he needed to be. We run a tunnel screen to Griffin for seven yards, and he's gotten to be pretty good at that. And I, I think it's a matter of time before he breaks it. And then we're complete to Osiris for the touchdown, an absolutely incredible throw and an incredible catch. You know, running that fade to the to the, the far pylon line and uh, through it where only his guy could get it. And now it's a 24 to 10 ball game, and I don't know if we were ready to start feeling it yet, but I think we felt like that we were going to be a little bit too much for them. They're very young in the secondary, and they're running a lot of man coverage and kind of putting those guys on islands against guys that are kind of, you know, all those crossing routes and the fades. I mean, you know, that's the thing. They're, it's it's all about getting open and ball placement at that point, and I just don't think Missouri was ready to deal with it. They come right back, try to get something going. Roundtree goes for two. Bazelak complete to Chisholm for 11, then back to Kiki Chisholm for 11 more. So they're on the move here. They're already out to the thirty-eight. Incomplete to Hazelton. They go right back to Hazelton. And again, this is you know, all the guy does is catch first downs. Second ten, he gets eleven. It's a first down in front of Furge. Uh, then complete to Chisholm again. They're driving. There's a holding penalty. Backs him back up. Makes it first and twenty at midfield. Incomplete to Dove. And then Heat is weed is all in his face there. And then Connor Beigelak throws the pick to Emmanuel Forbes. You got to give Martin Emerson a little bit of an assist here. Emerson comes free there on the corner blitz kind of rush to throw a little bit, so the ball placement's off. Forbes is able to get inside. They're trying to run an out there. He leaves the ball a little bit inside. Forbes had already undercut the route, picks it off. A very athletic play there. Uh, and really, at that point, you're thinking, okay, we're under a minute here. We'll probably just kind of uh, coast into the halftime with a lead. But that's not how the Mike Leach offense is built. You're always going. No matter the down and distance, no matter the time, you're always trying to score. This is why I think Will Rogers really excels in this offense, because he does not get sped up over the course of these situations. He, I mean, he's still calm and cool. He's still collected. He has great poise for a younger guy. We're incomplete to Wally there, and we go right back to Austin Williams for 19 yards across the middle. A great throw and an even better catch. Then we're Malik Heath for 24. Malik, uh, not a real factor in the ball game, but that was a huge play there. We call a timeout, 22 seconds to go. We're incomplete to Spivey, and uh, that was just kind of one of those, you know, they got to us a little bit. We had to get rid of the football. Incomplete to Heath. Incomplete to Spivey. We kicked the field goal, go up 27-10. You know, a couple opportunities there to kind of put put some more points on the board, but, you know, we're up three scores at the break, and I think everybody felt pretty good about life at this point. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security. Probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools, no drilling required. You get keyless entry, you don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. Get fingerprint recognition, it's unlocking. Ufi video lock that's e-u-f-y official.com forward slash video lock and it's time for you to gain control of your door again that's eufy e-u-f-y why are so many dogs suffering from health issues Thankfully, we scored on that final drive of the first half. So when we picked up the uh, the kickoff in the second half, you know, we had a chance to kind of go back-to-back possessions there. That's what you always want to do when you can. Get that score just before the half and then come out of there with the ball, and you've got a chance to kind of get some separation, put a game away. It's exactly what happened here. Rogers incomplete to, to Tulu, and there's a penalty on them for uh, – for Enos Rake's draw for holding the secondary. Again, they were having a du- very difficult time running with our guys. We're complete to Marks for one, and we go back to Marks on a rush for five, and we're complete to Marks for 12 yards. I like how we're using him. He really puts linebackers in conflict. Dylan Johnson rushes for five, and we're incomplete to Osiris, but there's a PI. And, again, I just felt like Osiris was feeling it. I mean, it it is difficult to man up a guy his size – Well, Rodgers didn't complete to Osiris for three. We're uh, complete to Griffin, and then there is the uh, targeting penalty on uh, Carlisle's. Uh, He is uh, removed from the ballgame, and again, that's a pretty thin secondary, and you lose one of your starting safeties. We go right back to Marks for seven, and on second and one, we give it to Marks, and he scores. Uh, Again, Marks kind of coming into his own. He looked explosive to me, and, and that's one of the things I really feel like He's healthy, and I think he's figuring some things out, and I think we are all kind of beginning to see his, him realize his potential. It kind of helps, too, that he's not having to sit out there in the flats and wait for some safety to come you know, unload on him. We're checking it down. He's a real problem uh, for those guys that want to run man coverage. So now it's a 34-10 to 10 ball game, and I think everybody in the stadium knew how this thing was going to end up. It was just a matter of what the margin of victory was going to be. So we go right back out there, and, uh, again, defense does a great job. One of the better, you know, again, you get a three-and-out here. Incomplete to Dove, Forbes on the coverage there. Round three then goes for three. They're incomplete to Dove. They have to punt. Three plays, three yards. They run a minute and three off the clock. We get the ball back, and, again, this is a chance for us to really put the nail in the coffin. We don't. Dylan Johnson runs for three, and then Rodgers is sacked for five, and then uh, fumbles the football, kind of fumbled it forward. It's kind of one of those things where it, that was one of the only times it really felt like that the offensive line really kind of gave way. We, we didn't we didn't match up well on that one. So we, we turn the ball over, and you feel like, okay, giving him a chance to get back in the ball game. But, you know, as well as our defense has played, you, know, you think, okay, the margin is still probably solid enough that we could be okay. Roundtree goes for four, roundtree goes for three, roundtree goes for two. And then on fourth and one, they go for it, and um, we end up being offsides. I, th- I think they would have made it either way. So they get a first and goal, and then uh, they're the chiseled for a touchdown, and then they go for two to kind of stay in the ballgame, and uh, it's a 34-18 game. So now instead of it being a three-score game at 34-17, you know, there are two touchdowns and two two-point conversions away from tying the ball game. I get it. I understand why you go for two there. And again, I, I kind of felt like you know what, we'll, we'll kick a field goal or something. We'll end up putting this thing back to a three-score margin sooner rather than later. Right out of the gate, they give us a sack, and uh, again, it kind of felt like the offensive line was starting to wear down a little bit. But we kind of picked it back up. This has been, you know, we've had some time. Uh, In these games where over the course of, uh, you know, before quarter game, the offensive line begins to wear down. I thought they picked it up and played well down the stretch. Will Rogers then complete to Osiris Mitchell for eight. We go back to Wiley for 39. It's an explosive kid, man. Dylan Johnson and runs for seven. Dylan runs for nine. And then, um, again, we're driving here, and this is the only bad pass that I thought Will Rogers made on the entire night. I think he, he try, tries to lay one up there, let Jaden Wally make a play for him. and The ball placement's a little bit off, and Bledsoe goes up and picks it off. It was a great play by him, but really that's about us. You know, you throw the ball out in front, or you throw it away, because we didn't have to rush it there. But uh, I get it. Will's trying to let his guy go make a play, and we just kind of, our ball placement's a little bit off. He lived to fight another day. But our defense immediately gives us the ball back, uh, immediately. Roundtree runs for six then complete the banister for 12, gives them a first down, and then they lay it up there, and Colin Duncan uh, turns into a wide receiver there. And it's a bad decision uh, by Basilac because, I mean, you got Duncan over the top. Unless you're throwing the back shoulder fade there, you have no chance to complete that pass. And Duncan's right there with good coverage and then frees himself and makes an incredibly athletic play there. So we got the pick. We get the ball back. And so now here we are again with a chance to go put this game away, remove all doubt. Marks runs for 13, and he got stronger as the game went along. Uh, Then there's the targeting call against uh, Griffin. Griffin gets smacked there, and uh, previous play reviewed, stands on the field as a call. Oh, no, no, that's not the play. That's the one where they robbed us of the pass completion. That's right. Yeah, we've already had the targeting call. This is when Will throws it a little bit short, and Griffin undercuts a DB and slide and makes the catch. And initially, they ruled it a catch. Then they said it wasn't, and they review it, and they say it wasn't a catch. I, I completely disagree with the call on the field and the review. That's the thing that I get back to. If, if we're not going to get these reviews right, then just do away with review. I mean, let's just make them a challenge. If the coach doesn't challenge it, then you don't do the review. And I understand, Well, well, Steve, we want to get it right, but you didn't get it right. And you've consistently not gotten it right. It's incredible to think all these things with replay this year. We have had more problems with replay this year, I think, than any, at any point, probably in the last four to five years. So Marks goes for 13. I think we've already done that one, yeah. So Will Rogers completes Austin Williams for 18 yards, and man, did Austin Williams kind of realizing his potential, playing his way into some big things. Marks then goes for five. It runs out the third quarter. So we go into the fourth quarter with the ball on the move and a commanding lead. Marks goes for 16. We'll go back to Marks for four. I know you guys love to hear all those running plays. Rodgers has completed Brad Combus for a great touchdown, a great throw, and a great catch. Very similar, very similar catch to what Combus did, it is what Osiris did. But if you go back and look at the alignment on that play, Combus is basically lined up like an attached tight end, but he doesn't have his hand in the ground. He's still in a two point stance, but he shows block initially. He goes up and kind of shows block to the backer, and the safety bails on the play. Well, then Brad disengages and gets out into his route, and the safety can't get caught up. It was a great job. it's a great play design, and it was a great execution by Brad Combust, and he's rewarded with a touchdown, which brought up the trivia question, and I don't know that I know the answer to it, but somebody said, who's the last player to score a touchdown? and had a home run for Mississippi State. Somebody says Scott Gamina. I think that's probably the best one, but um, it's an interesting very exclusive fraternity that Brad Kumbus now finds himself a member of. All right, so now it's 41-18. to 18, And now, again, it's a three-score game. We feel like, you know what, this thing is over. Defense goes out there and closes the door, right? Bazelak complete to Beatty for three, incomplete to Dove, and then incomplete to Banister brings up a fourth and seven. They go for it. Crumbity gets in there, and it's a wild throw. Emmanuel Forbes nearly gets a hand on this thing. Four plays, three yards. And at this point, everybody in Starkville is start, ready to celebrate. Rodgers then complete the Witherspoon for one. There is a face mask penalty called against them that moves it all the way down to the Missouri 23. Johnson runs for six. We're incomplete. We're incomplete again. And then it brings up fourth and four, and we, uh, we kick field goal there. Not too bad, but listen, we need to have a little more killer instinct. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, some of these incompletions – or a lack of execution. Sometimes it's on the quarterback. Sometimes it's on the receiver. And sometimes it's offensive line. But we've got to have some killer instinct. When we're down and close like that, and you, you get a turnover on downs on their end of the field, you got to go put the thing in the end zone. And you say, well, you know, at least we got something out of it. That's true. But uh, there will be other times where we're going to need more than three points. So we get the field goal there. It's a 44-18 to 18 game in the fourth quarter. 44 to 18 And this is when we got very liberal with our substitutions after this. Uh, Bazelak complete the Dove for 29 yards, back to Dove for six, back to Dove again for two, and then they're incomplete uh, to Hazleton. On fourth and two, they're complete to Bannister for 11, and again, that's just one of those plays you're just trying to move the chains. We didn't didn't execute there. Then they go back to Chisholm for 21, and then Roundtree runs in for six. An incredible run, two spin moves and then dive into the end zone. I'm really impressed with Larry Roundtree, in case you guys hadn't figured that out. I'm glad he wasn't a bigger factor in the ballgame. So now it's a 44-25 game, and we're still up three scores. It's a 19-point game. There's no way they can get caught up unless we just absolutely fall apart. But we're not done scoring, right? Not a great offensive drive here, but, uh, again, we're, we're trying to run a clock. That was one of the things that everybody said about Mike Leach in that UCLA game a couple of years ago is that, uh, you know, if Mike Leach runs the football, they put that game away because they were up a couple scores and they throw a pick, and next thing you know, UCLA scores, and then they get the ball back and they, they force overtime. Well, Mike Leach clearly has learned from that because despite the fact he's up 19 points, he's working clock here. Marks runs for five, and then we're letting the clock run, Right and goes for four, and then on third and one, we run for a loss of one. We had a chance there to kind of move the chains and eat a lot of this clock up, maybe get into the four-minute offense. Uh, we end up calling – we show that we're going to go for it. I think some of us even half expected it. We call timeout, we punt the ball, and uh, we run down there, Paul Blackwell downs at its four-yard line. Great job. And then this is when we uh, score our final points of the game. Base lack completed Chisholm for six and then come back to Dove for five and on first and ten he got a little bit loose and fast for the ball placement and Emmanuel Forbes recognized the fact that the underneath receiver was not the target. He's reading the quarterback's eyes. He goes out there and makes an unbelievably athletic play immediately gets into offense takes a ball to the end zone. That's his fourth interception on the year which ties him for fifth nationally and ties him in first place among freshmen nationally. Go ahead and hand him a freshman All-American uh, honor. Fifty-one twenty-five 25 now, and uh, it's, we're five minutes to go in the ballgame, and we're definitely feeling it now. Uh, complete to uh, Kiki Chisholm. Pardon me. Incomplete, Jay Jemison, a walk-on guy that we had recruited, and uh, – didn't offer, and then he ended up going at Juco. I believe I'm almost positive that's correct. And then he comes back and walks on at State. Lifelong Mississippi State fan. Gets in there makes a great play. Very athletic play to bat that ball away. Roundtree goes for nine. Then there's a loss of two, and then he ended up having a punt. We didn't muff the punt. They had the uh, the, the 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 catch interference there and uh, on Jake Hoffman. It was a stupid play. Absolutely stupid. Probably should have ejected him for being stupid. And so then we bring in K.J. Costello, and I want to talk a little bit about this, you know, before we kind of move forward. I thought it was great to hear the fans chanting for K.J. It was tremendous. And so for for those of you that were in attendance and you were chanting for K.J., thank you for doing so. It just goes to show you how wonderful the Mississippi State fan base is. K.J. Costello is a guy that uh, came here with high aspirations, came here, set an SEC record for single-game passing yards, and looked to be on his way Some people even had him in a Heisman mix after week one. And then things imploded on him. But I'm glad that he had one final opportunity at Mississippi State. I wish it would have worked out better. So Costello comes in, throws the fade up to Spivey. There should have been P.I. on the play. They don't call it. And then K.J. throws it underneath, and the ball gets batted up and intercepted. And that's the last memory he'll have from Mississippi State. And uh, I hate that for K.J., but I'm I'm glad that he'll be a part of, uh, you know, our history, and uh, I wish things had worked out better, but uh, it's almost like the poor kid at snake bit. I mean, it's it's insane, really. Can't stay healthy, and then, you know, Will takes over, and, uh, you know, Mike got to play for the future. But uh, KJ's been a great teammate. Anybody you talk to in and around the program will tell you how KJ has done all he can to help old Rogers prepare each and every week. Okay, so Mizzou takes over, and, and uh, Elijah Young rushes for six. I guess they'd already decided to pull Roundtree out to avoid any injury. Bazelik complete De Gea for seven, and then Elijah Young goes for three, and then there's a penalty on us, 12 men on the field, makes it first and five at our 24, and then they're complete for 24 yards and a touchdown. We got beat on the play. And then uh, in addition to that, there is the rough and the passer call on Jordan Davis. They're going to get to the kick off there, and they do. And uh, the guy runs out of bounds and bats the ball back in. They recover it, and I don't know why. This is, this is the flaw in the rule. Okay. You shouldn't be able to commit a penalty and then get a redo on the onside kick. That that that's a flaw in the system. If you if you commit a penalty on the onside kick, then it's over. That that's how it should be. It should be over wherever the penalty is committed, it should be over. You shouldn't be able to get a second opportunity uh, for being offsides or for uh, you know batting the ball down, every bit of that. You shouldn't put the receiving team at a disadvantage and have them defend that play multiple times because the kicking team commits a penalty. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't believe so. All right. So then State finally gets the ball back. Rodgers back in a quarterback. Spoon breaks it for 20, like he was trying to score there. Then Spoon goes again for three, back again for three. And then we take a knee. And that's a ball game. 5132. Running some numbers down here for you. And uh, you're going to like them. I think everybody kind of felt the same way I did. It was good to kind of spread it around a little bit and let some guys have some success. So uh, here are your numbers here, if I can get to them. Individual numbers. Uh, Will Rogers, 21 of 36 for 295 yards, three touchdowns and, and one interception. And again, I think he'll tell you he'd love to have that that ball back. Just, I mean, just a little bit impatient there. And then we give up the two sacks. Uh, one of those uh, was just a matter of Missouri making a play there. Another time we had a lack of execution there. Uh, Jaquavius Marks, 12 carries for 71 yards and a loss of just one, to so a net of 70 and a touchdown. Dylan Johnson, eight for 47. And then Wetterspoon, three of 26. Uh, as a team, when you factor in Will Rogers, 13 yards, 28 carries for 151 yards. How cool is that, right? If we're going to be able to – if we can run for 150 yards, we're going to win a lot of ballgames. Receiving Jaden Wiley five catches for 129 yards. That's the fourth consecutive game that Jaden Wiley has uh, had 100 yards or more receiving. Last Bulldog to do that, Fred Ross back in 2015. Probably going to be a lot of that moving forward. Osiris, five catches, 44 yards. Austin Williams has three. Uh, Malik Heath with one. Jaquavius Marks with three. And I saw an interesting stat on the broadcast. Had a chance to go back and watch a broadcast today. Mississippi State leads the nation and freshman receptions. And, of course, with Dylan Johnson and and Jaquavius Marks getting a lot of those, uh, that makes perfect sense. But uh, a big part of that, too, is Jaden Wiley, who continues to um, rewrite the Mississippi State record books for receiving. It is ridiculous to think about what he has done uh, to date. I'm going to run his numbers down here for you real quick because I know you're curious. He's played in – you know every game this so far this year. You know if you remember early in the year he wasn't he wasn't getting a lot of touches. Well, that's certainly changed. I don't know if you guys remember this. All right, he's got 691 yards receiving. He did not have a catch against LSU. Not a single catch against LSU. We targeted him a couple of times, but he didn't have a catch. And then all of a sudden he had six grabs against Arkansas. We had some guys out. We had to play him. But then it all he all kind of started figuring it out. Once Will Rogers became the quarterback, 5 for 43 against Vandy, and then he comes back with 7 for 115 in his first touchdown against Georgia, 9 for 176 against a bad old Miss secondary, and then 8 for 100 against Auburn, and then 5 for 129 in touchdown against Mizzou. And so a lot of this is, number one, he's figuring it out, but number two, I think he and Will Rogers simply have a connection, and Mississippi State's benefiting from that. All right, let's get to the top ten list. My bookie is uh, your sponsor for the top ten list. They have been with me a while. And I want to make sure that everybody kind of understands how this works. You know, uh, everybody understands you got Christmas wishes. And this year, hey, Christmas is on Friday, so we'll have the extended weekend. We're going to get some NBA and some NFL action on Christmas Day. It's pretty cool. Uh, the best place to bet on both of those events is my bookie. The only real sports book that doesn't care if you're on the naughty list or the nice list. They've got guests for everybody. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking and stuff for up to a 1000 bucks in bonus cash for free. It's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And this year, my book has given you not one, not two, but six days of giveaways. Starting tomorrow, December 22nd through 26th, we're hooking our players up with deals and promotions so exciting we can't even talk about them on the air. Seriously, we don't know. There are no details. You've got to find out yourself by signing up. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code Boneyard, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. You hear what I'm saying? Let's say you, let's say you throw in $400. bucks, they are going to give you 200 hours of house money to play with as well. So head over to my bookie, make the most of the holidays this year with six days of giveaways. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. Okay, so it's Christmas week, and uh, one of my son's former teammates in the Cotton States League contacted me and said, Hey, Steve, how about we do some Christmas stuff? And you know what? I agree with that. So this week we're doing Christmas songs and Christmas movies. And you know the Christmas songs are a little bit different with me? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't have any Weird Al Yankovic or any of that stuff. But I've got, uh, got some good tunes for you. All right. So uh, these are some great renditions of some famous Christmas songs. And. Um, you know, one of them that I didn't include that I, I probably could be talked into is Mariah Carey's uh, version of All I Want for Christmas Is You. It's great, but it didn't make my top ten list. All right, so uh, these are uh, the songs that I think best typify what the Boneyard listener is all about. Roy will have this playlist up later as I'm recording this in the wee hours of the morning. I didn't sleep well last night and ended up uh, tossing and turning most of the night, stayed in bed till around 10 this morning. And then we had the book signing. And then on the way home, I decided to, to go for coffee and had that around 5, 530. So here we are. All right, number 10, Thank God It's Christmas by Queen. That's Queen with Freddie Mercury. You may not be familiar with that one, but it was on the uh, Queen's Greatest Hits album. It wasn't released as a single, which is kind of a radio play for a long time. It's a, a Christmas standard there in, uh, in England. But uh, Thank God It's Christmas from Queen. Number nine, and there were some times in my life this could have been number one. I think this is the best Christmas carol and I think this is the best rendition of this Christmas carol, but it's Carol of the Bells by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I love the rockin' version of that. Number eight, Christmas is a Time to Say I Love You by Billy Squire. We had a Billy Squire list one time, but this was a cool track and uh, everybody has a Christmas song if you don't have a Christmas album, but this is one that I really dig. Number seven, I think, honestly, this is the best version of Silent Night. And my daughter Mia would approve. But it's Stevie Nicks' version of Silent Night. You know, she's a tremendous alto and uh, really uses her range, especially at the lower register on this one. So Silent Night by Stevie Nicks. Number six, kind of want a little more playful song for Christmas. It's Run, Rudolph Run by Chuck Berry. It's been, it's been covered by a lot of people. But, you know, listen, we haven't mentioned Chuck Berry on the show. So, Chuck, there's your mention. Number five, and there's a lot of people that have covered this one. I like this one the best. It's "Please Come Home for Christmas" by Bon Jovi. It might have actually been a John Bon Jovi solo joint, but I think it was on one of his Christmas compilation albums. So, "Please Come Home for Christmas." I think John and the boys did a great job. Number four, and this is one of the best Christmas songs of all time. If uh, you may remember, Band Aid, it's everybody got together and they sang. Do they know it's Christmas time? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? And it was about raising money, uh, you know, for kids over in Africa. And, and, uh, you know, it's like, you know, we live in uh, such a world of plenty. And uh, there are a lot of those kids over there that have no idea what we celebrate over here because they don't have the same standard of living. And so this was about relief for Africa. And I remember buying this 45 when I was a kid. And I was happy to spend my money to do it because I thought I was doing something worthwhile. And uh, it's still a great track. And uh, the message is still clear today. There are a lot of people around the world, including in our country, in our own towns, that don't really get to celebrate Christmas. Reminds me of what Sleepy Robinson told me when I interviewed him for Alpha Dogs. He had never celebrated Christmas until he came to Mississippi State. Didn't know what it was about. Had never really had a family that celebrated Christmas because they didn't have anything. Number three, it's uh, Happy Christmas. The war is over. John Lennon. I struggle to give Yoko on her writing credit, but uh, I know she wrote it, but uh, this is one of those Christmas standards that everybody listens to, and uh, I'm a big John Lennon guy, so there you go. Number two, and uh, I dedicate this to my friend Sam Creekmore of the Cotton States League, and uh, Sam's a great bulldog and uh, also a member of our state legislature. Sam kind of put a bug in my ear. We, I told him I was doing this this list, and he goes, hey, I want to put a buzz in for my guy Bruce Springsteen, and I agree with you, Sam. Santa Claus is coming to town. I think Bruce's rendition of it is great. Santa Claus is coming to town, for those of us on the nice list. But number one, we got to go with Mississippi's favorite son. It's Blue Christmas by Elvis, and uh, I've always thought this was one of those songs that, uh, you know, the Jordan Ayers did a great job on this one, and uh, lyrically, it's a cool song. I think it's one of the best Elvis songs. I think his vocal delivery on that one is about as good as it gets. It's classic Elvis. That's my top ten Christmas songs. I hope you enjoy those. Again, Roy will have the list out at some point this morning. Uh, many of you may listen to this in the wee hours. I don't know. But uh, I wanted to get this out early today since I was already up. So uh, so there we go. That's the top ten list. And uh, before we get into the rest of the league, let me remind you too: go visit our friends at Manscaped.com that if you're looking for stocking stuffers and many of you still are look no further because our sponsors Manscaped have the tools to make this year exactly what you want with a stocking stuffer Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to blow the way grooming and hygiene products and great news they just recently released their products across europe canada and australia and i know this is an international show so some of you may benefit from that knowledge a few of their products that are prime stocking stuffers this year are as followed Uh, The Crop Preserver Deodorant, the name kind of speaks for itself. Uh, The Crop Reviver Toner, a spray-on toner that would give you a little slice of heaven in your most intimate areas with aloe vera and hazel extract. The Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash you can even use on your hair. Uh, The Crop Mop Wipes, you never know when an opportunity may strike, so you can feel fresh and prepared. Foot Duster, Foot Deodorant, many of you have uh, bad foot odor and your friends won't tell you. I'm your friend, but I will tell you the things they won't tell you. Get the foot duster deodorant, it'll keep your feet smelling fresh. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury 4 piece nail kit, stop biting your nails guys, put some more effort into this, women pay attention to that sort of thing. The weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer which provides proprietary skin safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs, who knew that would be a problem once we became men. Let's not forget about the best trimmer for all of your intimate areas. The more 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. All these formulations are vegan-free, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, um, gluten-free, rebel-free, paraben-free, everything else. And here's what you do: you go to Manscaped.com and use promo code Boneyard, and you get 20% off and free shipping. That's right. off and free shipping, whether this is for your partner, your dad, your brother, your friend, get them something they'll actually use and maybe even get a laugh out of. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com, with promo code Boneyard. Let's look around the league here, some fun things to talk about. You know, you remember uh, Vandy and uh, Georgia was canceled, and I think that that probably hurt Georgia a little bit, but uh, I think when the FBS playoff poll came out, we all kind of knew how this thing was going to shake loose here. So I don't know, unless Georgia played a and if one of them could have played their way in. But uh, be that as it may, it's over. a and in Tennessee, 34-13. There's a lot of trouble at Tennessee, and let, I want to talk to you guys about that. You guys know that uh, I kind of keep my ear to the ground when there's NCAA trouble. And uh, so there was a report that came out on game day that uh, Tennessee was uh, being investigated. I have, I have talked to some people about that. I am told by someone close to a situation that some of the allegations stem from the family member of a former player, that a family member has kind of spilled the beans. I don't know what the rub is. I don't understand why they would turn on them, but it does appear that some of these allegations that are yet to be, un, you know, they to be proven stem from a disgruntled family member of a Tennessee volunteer football player. And uh, so there is some talk about impermissible benefits to recruits during the recruiting process and after players have gotten on campus, there is a lot of discussion about what is to come. I understand their compliance departments working through this, and basically, it's the same thing that Ole Miss did, what Mississippi State did, OSU, Everybody, it, it is a joint investigation between the between the school and uh, the NCAA, and so it's important to kind of understand how all that works. There's a lot of people out there that don't fully appreciate you know, how those things work. But, uh, you know, it's there is a duty co- to cooperate for every member of the NCAA family. That means administrators. That means athletic directors. That means university presidents. That means players. You have a duty to cooperate. So when these people say, oh, this law, you're up, and you don't have to do anything, listen, this is not like a federal indictment. This is not where anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. It's as simple as this is if you don't cooperate, you don't get to participate. They will pull your eligibility. I think it's important that people understand that. And if you're caught lying to the NCAA, then the penalties are that much worse. And so it's understandable that uh, the compliance department of Tennessee is involved in this. And I understand now we've had a second family that's come out and said that they uh, kind of revealed some information to Tennessee. I think this is a very, very, very tenuous situation for Jeremy Pruitt. I had somebody tell me yesterday that he is worried about his job. And with good reason. Look for that in the days ahead. As you guys know, Tennessee uh, headed to the Liberty Bowl. There was some, uh, you know, some some issue with that last year. A lot of people in Memphis wanted Tennessee and Liberty Bowl. They uh, elected to go elsewhere. Didn't even choose Liberty Bowl. And so I think that they're kind of Phil Farmer's kind of making some uh, amends there. Okay, Old Miss LSU. I have not had a chance to watch this because uh, it was uh, being played when we were playing against the University of Missouri excited that lsu won the ball game expected lsu to win the ball game but i have to give a tip of the cap to uh to old miss and matt corral and i know that matt corral was responsible for six turnovers uh including the one that uh, ultimately cost them the game and you know you absolutely hate to see that but uh i never thought in a million years that uh they would be able to compete offensively the way they did and so listen you know again tip of the cap to lane kiffin and his group it was a really good ball game. You know, at the half, I guess it's what thirty-four to twenty-one. It seemed like LSU was going to put this thing away, but they didn't. You know, Ole Miss comes right back in the third quarter and outscores them, and uh, it's a ball game. And then, of course, LSU uh, scores late to put it away. But uh, Booty with three hundred and eight yards receiving—that's absolutely ridiculous. Max Johnson now two and zero as a starter for LSU, four hundred and thirty-five yards, absolutely crazy. And then Alabama, Florida. I give Dan Mullen and his staff a lot of credit. I think most people in the SEC and in the college football world expected Alabama to just absolutely steamroll Florida. They didn't. And Florida actually had a chance late. I thought Dan mismanaged the clock at both the end of the first half and the second half, and it cost them. I don't understand going for two until you have to go for two. If it's a two-score game and I score a touchdown and an extra point pulls me within seven, well, then that's what I need to do. If I go for two and I miss it, then I have to go for two the next time. If I go for two and I make it, well, yeah, then all of a sudden, you know, you know a touchdown ties the ballgame, extra point wins it. But you could still go for two then, a, you know, a down one, and win the ballgame. I didn't understand the decision. I also didn't understand the decision uh, to go for two and call a timeout. That ultimately calls Florida 40 seconds of game clock they could have used uh, later in the ball game, and they certainly needed it. And listen, Kyle Trask, what a warrior he is. If I'm his agent, I'm telling him, you got nothing to the game playing against Oklahoma. Let's go ahead and get ready for the draft. But uh, I digress. But it was a great game. And if you're a fan of college football, you had to enjoy that game. I know that I did. That's the rest of the league there. And uh, again, some cool things happen around the league with these bowl games. And uh, we'll get into that after the break. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. I was there on Saturday. Had a chance to see Standing Man. I saw Miss Kathy Brown yesterday. The lovely, talented Susie is already enjoying her holiday break. Uh, and so, if you can still get merchandise from Campus Bookmart in time for Christmas, but you probably need to order today, you need to do that by going to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over fifty bucks. Any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. You guys know it. This time of year, any time that you can save a few bucks at Christmas, you do so. I know a lot of people have waited to the end. I had several people book signing this weekend said, "You know what, Steve? I'm kind of scrambling here at the end, but Christmas is here. Christmas will be here Friday. It'll be here Friday. So you need to make sure you have some gifts delivered." I would encourage you again, do it today. You might get away with it tomorrow, but I think by Wednesday you're too late. If you're going to order from Campus Bookmark, you need to do it today. And, again, use promo code BSR. All right, let's look at the uh, SEC bowl picture. Right, thank, thankfully, we avoided the Gasparilla Bowl in St. Petersburg. Listen, I, I, beggars can't be choosers, right? But I'm glad we didn't have to go there because I don't want to have to travel on Christmas again. We did that back in 16 and, and went down there and won a bowl game. Remember Nelson Adams with the big uh, field goal block late? to put the game away. Nick Fitzgerald with a good ball game. We didn't play especially well. But uh, I I didn't want to have to go down there again. But uh, South Carolina is headed down there. Instead, they're going to play UAB. Iowa and Mizzou, uh, that's going to be on the 30th. Let me back up here a second. That uh, Saturday game, South Carolina and UAB, that's the uh, the first of the SEC Bowls. So we won't have to wait long, right? That's one good thing about this uh, elongated season. So we don't have the big lull before the bowls start playing. Iowa uh, will play Mizzou. I like Mizzou. I like their offensive skill. They're so young in the secondary, though. You know, I think Iowa's got a really good chance in this ball game. But uh, that that'll be a really cool one to kind of watch those guys get together. I guess that's the Music City Bowl. Florida will then take on Oklahoma. You know, I, you know. How how would, With Florida's issues on defense, I don't know how you can uh, feel good about the Gators' chances. I mean, I know Dan Mullen will have some offensive uh, wrinkles in place to make that game competitive. But, uh, you know, Oklahoma, they're awfully fierce. They're going to throw it around a lot. And I think that Florida just doesn't have the dudes. And that's one of the things, too. A lot of our fans are kind of down on Dan Mullen. And I know a lot of it's just, uh, you know, some bitterness of how things went down with us. But when they get some dudes on defense – Florida's going to be good. And when you look at how Dan Mullen recruited at Mississippi State, you know, he put his best athletes on defense. It was a premium because, number one, the state of Mississippi produced a ton of great defensive players during the Dan Mullen era. But once he gets that defensive recruiting up to par, I think Florida's going to be okay. I really do. And, uh, you know, we know that Dan Mullen can take an average offensive player and turn them into something pretty cool. And they're going to be recruiting at a much different level than us. Uh, You know, on the 31st, that's Tulsa and Mississippi State. We'll be in Fort Worth for that. This West Virginia and Tennessee game in Liberty Bowl, that is a very intriguing matchup because of all the turmoil. But also, too, if you're Neil Brown at West Virginia, I don't know that West Virginia is a destination-type job. And so you can go out here and work hard and then have an opportunity to do some good things and kind of put some, uh, you know, some, some points on the resume down the stretch. I don't think Tennessee is going to be ready. I think this NCAA cloud is going to continue to hang over their heads. That evening, Arkansas will play TCU. That's uh, a Texas Bowl. Uh, I kind of like TCU here. Arkansas, you know, got off to the great start, and Amanda Bloom is kind of off the rose there. They finished three and seven. That's a tough matchup too. You, you know, you know, TCU defensively is going to bring it. Uh, Georgia and Cincinnati. I really like this game a lot. I really like it a lot. Cincinnati. Some could argue. Uh, probably had a chance to be in the uh, in the playoff if things were fair, you know. But uh, if you're going to put a G5 team in there, I think Cincinnati is the obvious pick. Will Georgia be ready to go? Yeah, probably so. You know, they've had some games in years past. You know, Texas smashed them a couple years ago because Georgia was still pouting for not getting into the playoff. I think Georgia will be ready to go, and I think Cincinnati will have their attention uh, Auburn and Northwestern—that's that's another game too. You look at you know all the situation that Auburn they've had the coaching change. Uh, Northwestern never expected to be in the playoff. Uh, Fitz and his group will have a great chance to get a kind of a helmet sticker win there, and and I suspect they will. I I, I think that that's a tough game for Auburn no matter what they do with a bunch, with a lame duck coaching staff. And so we get a little bit deeper into the schedule, the Alabama Notre Dame game. Uh, I they keep putting Notre Dame in the playoffs and uh, I you know I, I understand it. you can say hey well the resume is and you know, they split with Clemson but their win over Clemson of course is when uh, you know Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence but you look at the rest of that schedule Notre Dame has kind of handily dispatched most of their opponents and so I, I fully expect Notre Dame to come out and play I just don't know that they have the athletes to match up with Alabama like most of you, I expect Alabama to win that game and advance the national championship. NC State will t- take on Kentucky. NC State, you may recall, was supposed to be our Power 5 opponent this year and everything got uh, rearranged. Uh, I think Kentucky is in for a lot of trouble here. Kentucky is not a good team. I tried to tell you guys earlier in the year, and then they went and, and destroyed Tennessee the way they did, and I think it was a little bit fool's gold there. I think NC State wins the ball game. Ole Miss, uh, Indiana, in the Outback Bowl. This is an awful matchup for Ole Miss. I think Tom Allen is uh, a very, very, very good coach. I think it's only a matter of time before he leaves Indiana for probably a destination quality job. Guy's done a great job. And listen, he was very well thought of at Ole Miss too. A lot of a lot of players and recruits really mentioned Tom Allen as a guy that was kind of the driving force there for them at Ole Miss. Uh, and you got to think he's going to have some motivation. Uh, to play well in this ball game. And then Texas A&M at North Carolina. I like A&M in this game, but even though I know Mike Brown and his group will be ready to go, but I don't think it's going to be a winning bowl season for the SEC. Now, you can say, well, Steve, we got 12 teams out there. Yeah, we're going to have some issues, and I think that's fair. I think South Carolina loses. I think Missouri loses. I think Florida loses. I think Mississippi State wins. I think West Virginia wins, so Tennessee loses. I think Arkansas loses to TCU. I think Georgia will beat Cincinnati. I think Northwestern beats Auburn. Alabama beats Notre Dame. NC State will beat Kentucky. Indiana will beat Ole Miss. And A&M, I think, will beat North Carolina, if they're not too busy pouting. That's one of the things you think about, too. Yeah, I saw you know, Kellen Mons tweet yesterday calling everything a joke. I get it. He's the leader of that program. It makes perfect sense that he would feel that way. But you got to put it behind you. All right, so... Uh, Listen, if you guys are looking to move to Starkville, and you should, uh, I don't want too many of you guys to be here, though, because I don't want to have to wait for a seat at my favorite restaurants when I get ready to go get breakfast. I don't want to have to deal with all that. But uh, some of you, go ahead and make the move, or maybe you're moving in Starkville, around the Starkville area. Give Portico a chance to help you. New residential complex right there off Garrett Road, behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership. You've seen it just 1.1 miles from campus easy access to both 25 and 82 There'll be 51 houses in development so if you've got young kids perhaps it's a neighborhood they can grow up and make a lot of friends 18 houses in the first phase and they're nearing move-in condition 33 houses in the second phase it'll begin uh, early next year houses will range from 1300 to 2000 square feet two-bedroom two-bath up to four-bedroom four-bath portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion so plenty of things to kind of get you going out there. And so let me encourage you too. if you need more information, and I'm sure you do, because many people are thinking, well, you know, see, I've always thought about moving to Starkville. I just don't know how to go about it. I want to be in the new cool neighborhood. I want to be out there where there is new construction, where there's a growing neighborhood. Well, Brooks can answer all your questions. Give Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog outfielder, a call. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. All right. Uh, Mississippi State women's basketball wins yesterday. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, ladies don't look that good. I'm not that worried about it. I think we're an extremely talented team, and some are saying, well, we're not ready for SEC play. Well, we're not in SEC play yet, but we're about to be. But, uh, listen, Nikki McCray knows what she's doing. You know, Nikki McCray-Penson, excuse me, all due respect to her husband. Uh, listen, she knows what it takes to win in this league, and we're kind of getting settled, right? We're still kind of figuring some things out with the rotation, the ladies are going to be good to go. And that's one thing, too, that they have learned in the last couple of years is, hey, when non-conference is over, we're getting ready to go. So we end the non-conference portion of the schedule with a 5-1 and one record, the one loss down in Tampa in overtime to South Florida, a game we did not play well at all. Since that time, we've handled everybody pretty well. Some people would say, well, you know, we've got listen, when you're playing these non-conference games, you're going to get everybody play so you can figure out who you can trust. Some games we didn't shoot it well, others we didn't. We will open – SEC play on the road at Athens, Georgia, on New Year's Eve. So you'll have the Bulldogs uh, football and then the ladies later that evening. All right, the, on the men's side, it's been a little quieter, but I got to say, to be honest with you, I think we might actually be a little bit ahead of what I expected. Because even in the games that we've lost, you know, we've been right there. You know, we, we lose the first two ball games because Iverson Molinar is out. We were still competitive in those games, but uh, just couldn't get over the hump. I think Iverson perhaps would have made a difference in at least one of those games. We put together a three-game winning streak, and then we lose in double overtime to date, and we should have won the game. Then we take care of Central Arkansas. You can see uh, the men tonight, 7 p.m. in Starkville against Mississippi Valley State. That will round out the non-conference schedule. And then we will open on next Wednesday at Georgia to open the SEC part of the schedule. Our first SEC home game will be Kentucky on uh, January 2nd. So that's the schedule kind of moving forward. Uh, I, again, I'm a little more excited about it than I was because I think this young nucleus of guys are starting to figure some things out. Uh, Tulu Smith's doing a good job for us. Uh, Davis done a good job for us. So We've got to get better on free throws. I get it. But uh, everybody is kind of hanging here. This is a transition year for us. And so if we can get through this year, win some ball games if we get anywhere close to 500 in league play i think it's a big win for us i really do we've got a very young nucleus of players dj stewart of course becoming a star right before our eyes Uh, wednesday will be the last day of the 2020 book tour for me i'll be at the lodge just about all afternoon uh on wednesday and that's going to be it and i want to say from the bottom of my heart for everybody that came out And everybody bought books online and everybody bought them somewhere else, even when I wasn't around. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You know, it was around this time last year we were getting ready to wrap up the uh, Stark Villains book tour and the week of Christmas. I was on the road every day. This year I decided, you know what, I really don't want to do that. Sometimes I think I'm tempting fate by doing as many appearances as I do. But many of you have come out, you've asked to take pictures and you bought books and, and you've shared your stories with me. And I love those stories. And uh, one of the cool things about telling our story is that some of your family sometimes is included in the story. And I've met so many great family members of the Mississippi State family that have had people featured in my books. And um, that is a really cool thing, and I take that responsibility very seriously, being able to share with people these great stories that are kind of hidden and buried, you know, in family histories about some cool things that happened involving Mississippi State. Uh, I will be finishing the uh, book of poetry here in the next six weeks that'll go off to production matter of fact i spoke with uh in my rep with the new publisher today about that kind of what the time frame is and then it's going to go it's going to turn around pretty quick the hope is to have it out late march early april i'll keep you guys updated uh, working with some different people this time it's just it, this is something that i felt that i needed to do something that i really wanted to do uh, so i look forward to sharing that with you and uh, we'll kind of move forward with that but if you're still looking to buy books you can go, go to alphadogsthebook.com and you can still order if you order today there's a chance they get it out today at worst case they get it out tomorrow so if you've put it off or maybe you need to buy a christmas present for yourself uh, for your uh, smarmy old brother-in-law you can do all that you get personalized copies of flim flam stark villains and alpha dogs it has been a tremendous fall and uh, i wrote alpha dogs during the quarantine it was my quarantine project that i'm really proud of the work and I think it's the best thing that I've written and I've had other people tell me that and as much as I enjoyed the rest of them, I hope that I'm getting better with each and every effort but uh, the poetry book will be quite a departure from what I've done in the past and there's a good chance I'll have a second book out in the fall next year not exactly sure what that's going to be just yet there's some some negotiations still ongoing but uh, I'm going to keep stacking these books up for you and I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for all your support my hope is next year We'll have uh, some normalcy again, and we can kind of get back to living life the way that we want to. Take care of yourself. We'll be back on uh, Wednesday, and we'll do a top 10 uh, Christmas movies uh, list. How about that? That'll be fun, and we'll talk about what is to come. Uh, Keep an eye on this Tennessee thing. I really think this thing is about to explode. I really, really do, and I know Phil Fulmer said they're not looking to make a coaching change or not right now. Uh, I think that will change as more information comes to light. That ball game probably can't get played fast enough. But I think you really need to keep an eye on that. I I think it's interesting, too, that um, there are some players involved in all this that uh, were recruited by other schools. And so it'll be interesting to see if some other schools maybe get roped into this, either to provide uh, some statements in support of allegations or in defense of their own potential allegations. That's something to really watch. And uh, we'll we'll update you as we kind of move forward. I think all this stuff is fascinating. I, I, it's just been one of those things to me. I've I've read so many of these NCAA case files. It's amazing the things that people do to cheat. But at the end of the day, it's all about winning and people cutting corners to do so. And uh, the, the situation at Tennessee, if the allegations that are out there are true, this could be a major case. And uh, you know, Tennessee has really struggled the last several years to kind of find some footing in the SEC. And there's appeared to be trending in the right direction last year, and then they go out there and post a three and seven year this year, and then could be facing some major sanctions that could really push them back. And then you've got the situation at LSU that uh, they're already self-imposing a bowl ban this year. We've seen those kind of things happen before. There's some serious things going on within the Southeastern Conference. I don't think there's any question. And um, we definitely need to keep our nose clean, and there's some other people out there that need to follow suit. that's going to do it for today long show today and i hope there's no technical issues i actually recorded started recording this show uh after midnight and then uh, had some problems was able to recover the file so i've recorded maybe the last oh 20 minutes of the show um you know today and so uh, my hope is that uh you guys don't have any issues if if you do i'm sorry we'll do the best we can look forward to seeing you guys on wednesday but until next time Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.